Welcome to Marketing Blabs. This podcast is brought to you by Marketing Labs, an expert digital marketing agency based in Nottinghamshire. If you're a business owner or a marketing professional looking for straightforward, non-salesy tips and advice to help grow your business online, then this podcast is for you. Strap in because we're about to reveal the things that other agencies would rather you didn't know. back to another episode of Marketing Blabs, our 13th episode. Today, we're going to delve into the realm of UX, or user experience as most of us know it. Whether you're a seasoned digital marketer, a budding web developer, or simply someone curious about creating a seamless online presence, then this episode is for you. So joining me on today's Blab from the ML team is Matt Janoway, our founder and CEO. How are you doing, Matt? Morning, Tom. Yeah, very good, thank you. All good? Yeah, yeah, pretty good today. And alongside me, sat next to me, is Josh Stapleton, our web development specialist. How are you doing, Josh? Pretty good, thanks. I'm surprised you haven't edited my script again. I'm <laughs> running out of ideas, <laughs> like 13 episodes in. Yeah, it's getting tricky. AI Guru. <laughs> Master, what what were the other ones? Code aficionado, all that sort of uh, stuff. Stack Overflow aficionado. Yeah, yeah, you love all that stuff. And also with us today, we're fortunate to have Andy Goldpies. I got it right, didn't I? You got it wrong. Uh, but it's I fine. got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Goldpies. You'll need to record that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I like that as an intro. It's wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. Andy Goldpies. Goldpies. I'm sure we told you a minute ago. And as he well. did as well. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Goldpies. Andy is the co-founder and creative director of Made by Shape, a renowned web design agency based in Manchester. Andy is a die-hard Manchester United supporter. He actually started his journey as a university lecturer. Straight out of uni, I believe, for seven years or so. That's right, yeah, well built up shape, yeah. Excellent. And obviously followed the traditional path, college, university, working as a freelancer and then in agencies to where he is today with Made by Shape. So welcome. Yeah, nice one. Cheers for having us. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Excited for the pod? Yeah, yeah. I love doing stuff like this. It's, it's good to get our knowledge out there and share experiences. Yeah, have a chat about mm. the industry. So I guess we should make a start then, shall we? I guess I want to kind of start off around what UX actually is, because some people don't understand what it is. There's a big difference between UX and UI. We were involved in a conversation this week. Yeah. Was, exactly that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want SEO or UX in my website. Yeah. Interesting. It's an interesting conversation. I mean, even have. if you have bad UX, it's still UX. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree a, with that. A website can't have not not have UX, can it? No. So, yeah, interesting. I just think some clients don't understand what UX is. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to try and keep it quite simple, haven't you? Like you said, you've got a, the messaging and everything around it. Yeah, we don't actually put it in our proposals. We don't actually say UX or anything technical. We just keep all the language very plain, very mm. simple. Really? Yeah, we're from Manchester. We just very direct <laughs> i think maybe we give our opinion too much yeah yeah i guess it's a good thing in a way because to be i guess it's about being honest isn't it really as well i think it's critical that everyone does take ux into account especially in today's sort of digital landscape it's quite important isn't it but we can talk about elements of ux as well because there's quite i mean it's quite a broad topic in really isn't it mm. you could you could split that into a number of different things 
whether that's the interface design itself, the, the strategy behind the, the experiences. What do we think are the good building blocks of, of good UX? Does anyone want to start on that? For me, I think some of the main ones that jump out, probably like navigation, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the first things you're going to see generally or one of the fir- first things you're going to interact with anyway. Mm-hmm. And if if the navigation's poor, if you can't find the pages you're looking for, that's that's not really going to help user experience. Other stuff, maybe call to actions. This one's more SEO related, but also works with UX in my opinion. When you have anchor text, so having descriptive anchor text, obviously that's very beneficial to SEO, but also it lets a user know exactly where they're going to be going when they mm-hmm. click on a link. Mm-hmm. Journey as well. Journey is massive for UX. Mm. Obviously, if you're sending people in different directions, there's multiple clicks before they get to where they want to be. Um, you know, that's going to have a big, big impact on user experience. Yeah, I think from my side, if I was explaining it to clients, it'd be more about structure and journey yeah. and mm. making sure that that experience when somebody lands on your site is very easy to find mm. where they want to end up or where they want to go. So yeah, I mean, whether the design's good or bad, it should really be a, an easy journey for that person when they land on a site. Zero effort interaction. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it should be foolproof, really, shouldn't it? It should yeah. make them not fail at the Simplicity. end goal. Every end goal is different as well, is whether you want them to, to make a purchase or, mm-hmm. I don't know, sign up to a newsletter, whatever it might be, as long as the you have that goal first, you know how to set up the UX. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is as well, when it comes to things like user experience, ultimately people are very lazy when they browse the internet and you've only got somebody's attention for so long the more work they have to put in to get to the end result the less likely they are to do it so simplicity is quite important when it comes to things like this yeah Mm. i think a lot of people overcomplicate it yeah like whether it's a designer or a developer or an agency whoever it is i look at a lot of sites and they're still hard to use yeah and i I think for me, that's the first place you should start. It doesn't matter the scale of projects, the budget or anything. Every website should be easy to use. And mm-hmm. that, that is essentially UX. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I've always followed the mantra, you know me, my creative side. I've always, if anything, less is more. But obviously, mm-hmm. it's it's a balance, isn't it, as well? Yeah. I think between letting the user make the right decision based on the end goal showing the right amount of information, call to actions, can you implement that? So what do you think about, um, as an example, call to actions within header navigation? You know, we were working on one for Arten, weren't we? Um, Little things like that. Yeah, so, yeah, more more descriptive stuff in your header yeah. uh, rather than just like just a simple link or something like that. Can be beneficial if it's not overused, I think. So mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the biggest pitfalls with like navigation is having it too cluttered. So if you've got, I don't know, just just a lot of links in your navigation and if there's no like structure or categorization between them, like being able to navigate that is just a pain. Mm. So yeah, keeping it really simple. And you, you can use uh, call to actions to highlight very key areas and it's usually the stuff that you want the user to interact with mm. and uh, making the UX better. But yeah, it does work. Mm. Um, yeah, I think for me, there's some specific things that we probably do on 90% of projects. So if, if you're talking about navigation there, when you um, land on the site, the, the navigation looks a certain way, but then as you scroll, it either disappears or shrinks to be smaller, but it's fixed. 
Um, but then as soon as you start scrolling up again, that nav navigation appears again, just so people can concentrate with the content on the page. But then as they start scrolling, you know they're trying to move somewhere else, so the navigation appears. And then the other thing is um, sticky call to actions. So whether it's a back to top button at the bottom of the page or sticky to the right, um, inquire now button bottom right, like we pretty much do that on most sites now because we've tested performance and it and it just works mm, yeah and it's about dis distractions as well isn't it so you've just highlighted there actually two or three really useful ways you can give that direction without distracting from the purpose of the page as well and i think that's quite important when it comes to user experience because you it's, it's very common that people will just want to keep throwing features at a website you know i'm paying for a website so i want it to do everything and they'll throw all sorts of different bells and whistles, as they like to call them, at a website. And actually, all they're doing is distracting people, which is actually bad for UX. So um, there's a few really useful things there that have been highlighted on navigation, on scroll, things like that. Um, because what's happening naturally there is you're, you're making them focus on the right thing. And then when the time is right for them to re-navigate and look elsewhere you can then, um, you've got the option then to look around again. Yeah, I think if you talk about distraction there, we just worked on a project for an agency. And an agency website should be showcasing their portfolio as best as possible, show the case studies. And so if that website is over-designed, then that distracts from the actual content on the page. And again, that can be called UX because the user is not really getting what they want. They're being distracted by the design of the site that's conflicting with every case to which completely looks different, every, different colours per case to a lot of images. So yeah, I think that needs to be considered. And again, I think that just comes back to overcomplicating things. Mm -hmm. Like designers are probably the worst because they want to make something creative and make it cool. And sometimes we need to strip that back yeah. because yeah. the user just needs to get that bit of information and inquire or buy or... Mm. Everyone looked at me then. <laughs> I could feel Josh's eyes. To on be me. fair, though, you, you're 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 a very minimalist designer. Yeah, and I, it's I a nice a balance. Bit wacky sometimes, though, can't I? Occasionally, but I think there's a there's there's quite a common, um, especially in our world, people think that you have to go loud mm. and you have to go brave, and actually you don't because it's it's so loud that again you're distracted. Distraction. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between being loud and different. I think if you're in a certain industry and everything looks exactly the same, for example, accountants' websites, mm. they'll all look exactly the same. Mm. They probably won't invest a lot of money into it. They'll be templated websites. Whereas if you do that well, it doesn't mean it has to be extravagant. It just needs to be done well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me about, I'm interested to get your insights on pop-ups because I hate them. Yeah, I think there's a, a a small place for them, a very small place, and we have conversations all the time about them, don't we? But mm. what what's your take on them? Well, when if you asked me ask. that five years ago, mm. then pop-ups would be a different. You'd interpret that differently to you do now, mm. because you land on any site now, and you've got cookies, privacies, mm. all these regulated pop-ups that you need to include. Or oh, some people. Just ignore that, but you should really have them there. So straight away, regardless of content or upselling or providing a service or a discount offer or whatever it is, you've already got two pop-ups you've got to close down most of the time, mm. which just adds frustration to every user. So that then impacts on the actual pop-up that you want to use. When it comes to e-commerce, I mean, they do work. Like, they do work. Sign up to newsletter, discount code, 
the facts are there. Like it just does work. When it comes to service driven sites, personally, I, like, I try not to use pop ups on sites other than if they wanted to sign up to a newsletter or download information. Pop ups do work to get email addresses and data capture. More like very granular use cases though for service based. Yeah, yeah. I think I try to minimize it on service driven sites, but e commerce sites, they just do work. Yeah. Sometimes you see it where. You, you can tell from a mile away websites that have pop-ups for the sake of having one as well. Like there's no real thought behind it or strategy. They're just there because they feel Think like they, they should. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you say, when you've already got a cookie policy, you've already, you've got already got all of these pop-ups, sometimes what you're doing is adding to that frustration. And we all know the magic number really, at least our industry seems to know, the magic number really is two seconds. Like if, if for every second after two seconds, you're losing a lot of your visitors. And if you're distracting them for the first chunk of that two seconds, you, it's going to cause you some some of your own issues around conversion rates and keeping people on your site and things. So, But I'm similar to you. I'm torn because the stats don't lie as well. Like They, they do work when they're done properly, mm. especially for e-commerce. So I, I think it's about when you present them, how you present them, and the purpose of them. Well, it always comes back to that conversation we have pretty much on every podcast is – as long as there's a strategy behind it, you're mm. not just doing it for the sake and you're all in it for one goal and you're going to stick with it, then it's going to work, isn't it? Yeah. If you're just sticking it there and changing it all the time. Yeah, I think there's some very easy tools that you can use that to, to monitor performance and you mm. can you can trial it for two weeks, you can look at the results. If it's not working, take it, take it off or tweak it and trial it again. Mm. I think a good point you made there is about the initial two seconds. If you've got... The initial two seconds of landing on the site and it's you're already clicking cookies and privacies off like it, the, from a development point of view it's very easy to time that pop-up like it could mm. be at a certain point of scroll like or it could be a certain time after it or it could pop up on certain pages it doesn't have to be as soon as you sit, hit the site because yeah. essentially when like if we're talking about e-commerce when people want to use a pop-up, it's normally to get a discount code or enter their email address or get more information. That's normally just before they're going to leave. Mm. Like, And so the discount code is better to, to get them before they leave, before they close the window. Again, very easy from a coding point of view. Ping a pop-up. Are you sure you want to leave? Here's 10%, here's 10% discount. Yeah. And, it, and it works. Also saves you 10% if they were going to buy regardless and you were giving it away in the first two seconds of them entering the site. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that. It's, it's common though, isn't it? Shopify. There's a lot of Shopify websites that do this a lot, and you, the moment you land on there, you get that spinny wheel yeah. on the left hand side, and it's like you literally just giving your margin away. Hmm. Why don't you just wait to see how people behave first, or what pages they're on, and and then if you feel like that they're at risk at not of you know of not buying, then okay, give them the chance to spin the wheel and get a discount. Unfortunately, I think that's because. Shopify is so readily available to everyone. They just pick a template, yep. fill the content, and just push it as it is mm-hmm. with no custom tweaks, no performance insights. It's all about testing, isn't it? And and unfortunately, that Shopify is a platform, I think probably the user base test an awful lot less than other platforms would just because by default how, who it's aimed at. But testing is so important with these things because as you said you you know you you might want to test how users are behaving and if you can't put uh, various rules in place and some logic to dictate what pages things like that should show on at what point they're scrolling on the page or whatever it might be or, or maybe their intent to leave the website 
Uh, if you're not testing those things, how do you know how well they're working? So mm. again, a, a lot of this comes down to testing. You, you might have a, a hypothesis at the start and you've got to prove it. Mm. And by the time you've you've been through that process, you should be getting better performance out the other side. I think one while we're on Shopify there, I think one good thing about them from a UX point of view is their checkout is great. Yeah, mm. like they they robustly check the process and yeah. the one step checkout does work. Yeah, it is very good. And and the the idea of the uh, I think a lot of people use the Shop app, don't they, for like a bit of a universal mm. order history. Uh, you just you you're automatically basically logged in aren't you to a to a store just because you've used shopify before if you have an account so all of that is quite helpful they have some very good pros to be honest um also a few cons but um it's a good platform for the right businesses at the right time and generally as well i think a lot of the themes the paid ones at least they tend to be pretty good from a user experience perspective Mm. generally at least yeah so yeah we've talked briefly about some issues and things with ux but i want to jump on to common UX pitfalls, if that makes sense. And um, free, we'll not call it frequent mistakes, but common mistakes that, that people make. I'd, I'd start with, with one in saying cluttered content or layouts. I think when people try and cram as much information above the fold, for example, or even below the fold or on a, on a, on a, on a layout itself. When that fight with white space. On. That yeah, happens a yeah. lot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see it a lot where people say, no, there's too much white space. Like, let's, Get cram more content in. Yeah. It's like no, that white space is really it's useful. Perfect. Yeah, there's so, a yeah. difference between white space and dead space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. You've got to let the content in in my eyes breathe yeah. and let people take it in, and it's it's what that content is as well, and how you break it up as long as it's been broken up effectively. Because essentially, you're getting across a bunch of messi- messages. What those messages are, we don't know, but we've got to try and structure it in a way. Just be yeah, exactly. Don't mm. just cram it all in just because you think, oh, I've got to get it all in. It's not for me. We yet. always ask our clients that. Like, yeah. if you've got six services, write them in a list of hierarchy. Because there is always a hierarchy. They mm. just don't think of it that way. They yeah. want to show, show all six services. They're, they're all important. Mm-hmm. But you just can't do that online. No. Uh, especially as soon as landing pages. Yeah. I think the one that I would probably mention is colour. Yeah. Legibility is, like, huge, like... You see so many websites that don't consider color from a legibility point of view, mm. like contrast. Uh, yeah, hundred like percent. Yeah, accessibility, accessibility wise, illegible calls to actions, text on backgrounds, or text over an image that you can't read. Mm. Like it's so obvious that it doesn't matter if you're a designer or developer. If you're in the industry, like you know, you, you shouldn't can't be read doing something. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm going to go with cluttered layouts, but it's a bit more specific. Yeah. My my take on this is like, so specifically on mobile, having touch elements too close together. Mm. Also, uh, this is kind of similar. Elements that shift or move when you're going to click on them or hovering on them and stuff like that. Yeah. They can be a massive pain, especially if like if things don't behave as you expect them to on certain device sizes. Mm. So for example, something appears moves something else you were about to click on and then you end up missing or misclicking even worse go to where you don't want to be google's eyes that from an seo side a cumulative layout shift Mm. and you know the interesting thing about this google obviously has a big thing at the moment for cumulative layout shift and i was browsing youtube last night and one of the pop-ups to say you might like this video i went to click it and it moved. And then it moved. I've noticed a few times, uh, I'm not sure it was go- on Google, on some Google websites, I have noticed CLS. And mm. it's been, it's like, come on, guys, you're, you're like after this. Yeah, yeah, it's quite ironic. I think my my biggest pet hate 
although this is really small and I don't know why it annoys me so much, it's probably not a big deal in all in, in reality, is those horrible social share widgets. They just really wind me up. Because you don't use them or I just think we're beyond that now. Like we're the internet has evolved. People realise if you want to share something you can just grab the URL. Like you you don't need to see all of these sixty four different social networks that no one's ever heard of just to you know click it and share through when you can just grab a url i just think they're distracting and See, i disagree in a little bit do yeah yeah but, but again what's the purpose of the page if the purpose of the page is to get someone to share it yeah fine if the purpose of the page is is you've got a service you're offering mm. or there's a there's an e-commerce product like the purpose of the page is to get someone to buy or to get someone to commit to getting in touch or the purpose of the page isn't to get someone to share it with people who don't really give a shit about your product. Mm. I think it's placement. If you're talking about like why do you use it, the placement is key. Like, yeah. Don't put it at the top of the page. Yeah. You can just share <laughs> yeah. it and then yeah. go go and scroll Twitter or yeah. X for a while. Like it should be bottom of the page basically. Or as soon as you start going past halfway, then maybe something appears on the left. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Is there a place for it on on blogs or content anymore? Articles, things like that. I think if done tastefully share? and they're not distracting, yeah. and, and that's the goal of the page, then fine. You mm. know, I've I've got no issue with that. It's more this uniform. Let's just plonk it everywhere, and I I just want people to share it. You know, you you've got uh, Glenn who runs a business who who sells ladders. And he wants someone to share. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Yeah, good, yeah, exactly. And he, he wants someone to share that he's got a, a new seven-step ladder on Facebook. Why would anyone on, on whoever's sharing that's Facebook care about that? Like, it doesn't make sense to the purpose of the page. No, or... it's nuts to put it across the full site. The old, I thought he was just specifically talking about articles, so that tells you what I think of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And and that's that makes a lot of sense because actually there's a purpose there. Isn't you want there? to drive traffic to that page, yeah. yeah. And and that's that's useful in that case. But again, provided it's done correctly, you don't want to see all 64 social yeah. networks again that nobody uses. But if done tastefully, I think that's okay. Well, I think when you look at um, social media platforms, they actually handle that quite well. So sharing, a, I don't know, a reel or Instagram post, you just get the one share button, but it expands to show you all your possible options on your phone. Yeah. Works a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I think sure. when you're talking about purpose of page there, it doesn't really, we don't really get these requests anymore, but like back in the day when I was starting out, a lot of people wanted to put social icons in the nav, which mm. always yeah, baffled yeah. me. It's baffled me from day occasionally, one. occasionally, like, like having your social links in the yeah. very I just say no. I was like, if you want that... <laughs> You ain't working with us because that's basic. Else. Like, why? Yeah. Why would? Why would you just land on someone's site and then take them to your socials? Like, it's send them our way. We'll do it for them. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually almost <laughs> just joking. We won't. <laughs> we won't. You're almost <laughs> sending them backwards because if you were on their socials, then they would want you to go to the website because that's where they're going to convert. Yeah. And if you hit the website and it's going to take you straight into the socials, yeah, it, it's very counterintuitive. You're bringing them away from something you can control. Mm. through to something you can't control. Where they're going to be off on a real rabbit hole yeah, exactly. on, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, exactly. They just start, uh, you know, they, they get bored and they start floating around. Mm. We all see it, and, and even people who pretend they don't use TikTok, they still do this. You end up in a rabbit hole. Mm. Yeah. Like, you talking about you. I, I, I do it all the Mass time. rabbit holes are terrible. Yeah, I do it all the time. You can tell when you're in one because you get about eight messages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do, yeah, yeah. So as, as more and more users go mobile then, it obviously shifts the impact of UX decisions slightly. Google obviously crawling from a mobile-first perspective as well. So I guess with the shape of mobile UX, is there anything that anyone's, anyone wants to say about how that is 
shaped or developed. Are you saying shaped because I'm here? Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice plug. Yeah. Key plug. Perfect plug. <laughs> For me, I think the size of elements, specifically on mobile. So when you look at a desktop site, for example, very easy to to click on stuff with like your small mouse, easy to navigate. On mobile, a little bit trickier. Some people have very large thumbs, some people have very small thumbs, and <laughs> can can definitely impact how you interact with the site. If you've got a tiny, tiny little X to get rid of a pop-up, like we were talking about earlier, that could be a bit of a pain. Also, just your buttons in general, if they're hard to touch, hard to mm. Smaller with. real estate as well on a mobile, isn't it? So you've got less, you've got less real estate to touch. So things generally have to fold in certain ways. So I think CLS, again, just for those listening, that's cumulative layout shift. So it means where the layouts shift as you're navigating. I think that's certainly more important on mobile. I, mm. I, I'd agree there for sure. I think for me, when it comes to agencies or whoever's building the website, rather than thinking about mobile first, like isn't it their job to make it look good on all devices? Yeah. Like, I, I, this baffles me, Ed, like when... When you look at agencies and they still do like pinch points, which is basically they've got desktop and then it looks ugly on smaller screen sizes till mm. it gets to iPad and then it shifts to a different size and then it looks ugly again to different size and then mobile, it looks okay. Like why only do them three sizes? Like shouldn't it just mm. be fully responsive? Like, it's interesting. Sure. We, we were talking about this actually last week, was it? Mm. And this concept of generally you'll create mockups on desktop first, won't you? Yeah. And I know that, like you say so you know arguably that goes against the grain to a certain degree but you're absolutely right it's about perfecting each viewpoint and making sure it looks great across all you know across all devices when i think about it i think it makes more sense maybe maybe this is just because it's a developer perspective but being able to understand how something will fold from desktop into mobile kind of impacts how you design some people don't understand that process though do they so if we're talking to someone who's starting their own business and they think, oh, I want my website to look like this, they'll, they'll be saying that for the desktop and they won't know how it folds or yeah. how it is responsive on all, yeah. all platforms. Generally, don't. it is easier. To, it is generally quite easier to fold down instead of up, though. Yeah, yeah. We, do, we do exactly the same. Yeah. We still design desktop first, get yeah. a sign-off from client, and then depending on who the client is, what the budget is, some people literally just trust us to make it work on all devices. Yeah. And because we, we've Which been they in... Should. The, they yeah, should yeah. But because we've been in the industry for 18 years, we know... What, what we should be doing. Sometimes we don't actually design for mobile if, if it's not needed. But mm. in other cases, if it's a lot of information, a lot of content that sometimes you do have to reduce or change, um, we'll design for mobile. But we will actually always do it second. Even if it even if the percentage is 95%, we still make it look good on all devices. Like, yeah. It still baffles me that when agencies do mm. that. I think it's just laser. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it's just following the herd, really, isn't it? I, I think it all started when Google had their massive shift towards mobile-first indexing, mobile-first crawling, and everybody sort of just, not quite panicked, but they all just blindly followed like it was the right thing to do. But, you know, as 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 powerful as Google are and as big as Google are, it doesn't mean everything they say is correct. You know, people can have different opinions mm. yeah well, I, I mean while we're on mobile what's your opinion on videos from a from speed a, size yeah, yeah speed speed if you're not hosting them locally or what well, not lo- not hosting them on the site shouldn't be too impactful if it's youtube embeds or something like that yeah if it, if it is We've tried local. a couple haven't we a couple of um external embed platforms the muse one mm. um that was all right it's you've got to 
it comes down well another one I was going to touch on on in terms of pitfalls is obviously page load speeds mm. obviously video will impact that quite a lot so the interesting one about muse so we use muse at the moment on our website to embed don't we mm. and what's interesting there is the video obviously won't even load until somebody clicks play so it's not really affecting page speeds in that sense but there's a byproduct of having it there is that the javascript muse file is actually quite heavy mm. i think it was the heaviest file, it's, file yeah it's one of the heaviest things on our yeah. side we've done some heavy optimization recently yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's interesting because even though the video itself and the video file isn't directly impacting load times mm. which obviously impacts user experience the javascript files that that are a prerequisite to using muse are heavy so yeah, I don't know. I, I, for me, I guess it depends how much value the video adds and, again, the purpose mm. of it. We see from, a, obviously, if you're thinking about the marketing funnel and brand awareness, we always try and plug video because it has the highest click-through rates and so on. But does that mean that it's necessarily needed on the website? The, it, it comes back to that same old conversation as, is, is the purpose right for it? Mm. Is it needed? I think in most cases, we would always recommend video, whether it's, Video testimonials, video testimonials are ace. I love them. In the in the right places, yeah. video can be powerful, mm. can't it? But yeah, video testimonials are different because it's video testimonials are definitely powerful at that de decision making yeah. moment because mm. it's building so much trust. You don't have to try and convince someone to go. You they basically watch the video and if they're saying amazing things about you, they'll know whether they're lying, they're acting or not. Mm. If it's genuine, it'll it'll be decision maker. I think more like on landing of sites. Yeah, if it's an auto play video that built into the site yeah. like in the speed, hero section or yeah. something like that yeah. speed is always going to be an issue like it do, it doesn't matter how small that file size is like you said javascript whatever the code is it's going to impact yeah and then we can start talking about performance and load speeds and code and mm. minimize code but um yeah i was just interested because on mobile obviously not every browser does autoplaying either no. so then you've got to have a fallback mm. so then if most people go into the fallback anyway what What's the point? Yeah, yeah, so you're just increasing increasing the size of the page for no particular reason. What's one of the ones I find interesting, which I don't like, that I, I, I'm happy to say I don't like this, is when in the hero section there's a there's a video that auto plays in the background. Mm. I, I I get the concept. I think they they catch the eye. I, I understand it, but again, for me, I think they're distracting. Maybe it's because they tend to go on websites that aren't that don't particularly think of again the purpose of the website too much. You tend to see them on websites where they'll explain what they do in a way that no one understands what they do. Mm. You know, they'll say we we create solutions for this and that and this, and no one has a clue what they do. They're the websites that tend to have the video backgrounds for me. So I think it's more of a correlation thing. But I don't particularly like them to be honest. I, again, I think it's a distraction. Don't you think that I, I always say obviously visual speak thousand words obviously that sort of thing from a creative mind perspective i always think that i think it's it's how people perceive that messaging obviously the content is key but yeah. how it's how it's put together what is the purpose of the video if it's just a, mm. a bunch of wishy-washy nonsense then yeah. there's no point having it london well, stock yeah stock yeah. like you said there, yeah. london skyline stock yeah. everyone knows it's stock it's not really giving anything i no. think for me like i there's one key point i would probably argue is showreel if if you land on the site and it's our showreel yeah and you land on another agency's site and they've got a showreel 
they'll still be completely different mm. quality yeah. of work type yeah. of clients we work with yeah like that's an instant like wow like, yeah i want to yeah. work with them yeah. Mm. yeah but if it's if it's done in the mate, right way absolutely yeah yeah and, and the right kind of business yeah no i completely agree with that i think it's 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 more i think my beef is more with those london skylines <laughs> stock footage yeah. yeah, for me, like I'm instantly thinking of brands like GoPro, for example, or DJI or something like that. With those, it kind of makes sense having yeah. impactful video. No, that's area. a good yeah. point, actually, Josh. That is a good point. And, and maybe, you know, a video production service. Mm. Again, you know. It makes it, sense there. It makes but sense in, in, in those kind of cases. Application and purpose. Again, yeah. yeah we've yeah. actually just changed it on a firework website. So there was a video to show fireworks and create impact. Mm. Uh, on landing all year but now we're coming to bonfire night we basically just want to change it to performance only right so that's just gone to a flat image interesting um so there is different keys and like timings as well like it doesn't have to stay the same all year like yeah. you can still change mm. content but yeah i mean for us show really is is massive yeah. Like yeah it is a big thing we don't have to explain anything like you could watch our show you know exactly who we are yeah. and what we do without yeah. without audio by the way yeah yeah interesting okay yeah yeah i did watch your show real Noticed you worked with Gary Neville. Yes. What was that like? Yeah, great project, to be honest. It was very smooth. Mm. Um, it, was too hard. it was a great project. I thought it was going to be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it just wasn't. Um, yeah, we created his brand uh, website. Yeah, it's really nice projects. And off the back of that, um, we've just done Sasha Lords as well. And yeah, two nice projects. Mm. Portfolio, basically, size. Yeah, yeah. Rebrand. Really cool, and obviously the well-known people. So mm. for us, it's easy to shout about, and people know who they are. And as a Man U fan as well. Yeah, I'm a United fan. Yeah, <laughs> he did actually say to us, "Right, uh, what David's done." He kept talking like about David, and obviously it's David Beckham. And my response to that was, "Yeah, but Gary, you're not David Beckham, are you?" Like, <laughs> did you say that to him? Yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. How did like, you react to that? He started laughing. <laughs> he's not David Beckham, is he? No. I know. I knew his purpose, like what, yeah. what David's done in terms of content and yeah, brand how he's and stuff. It yeah. And stuff. Yeah. But Gary Neville's right back, <laughs> and he doesn't look like David, does he? Come on. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice site. It's fit for purpose. It's not overcomplicated. But that's a perfect point, isn't it? Because it's a different voice. It's exactly. Purpose yeah. again. Yeah. The UX of the site is going to be completely different. Yeah. The messaging is going to be different. So, yeah, it comes back to the same thing all the time when, you, when you're specifically speaking about UX and mm. things. So it's quite interesting. I, I enjoyed watching your show, Real, to be honest. Cool. So just, just finally then, and I think we've talked about some, some important stuff there. It's quite interesting to get different perspectives on things. What, what do we think the future of UX is going to look like? Obviously, we've got bloody AI coming into the mix, things like that. What do we think's going to be redefined from there? I think AI is going to actually make a big, big difference in UX. Do you think? Yeah, I I can kind of envision having a AI chatbot, probably a bit more advanced than what we've currently got, although what we have currently got is very advanced. Mm. Something that you can talk to as you land on the site and just say, oh, I want to I want to know more about X. And it'll mm. either redirect you to the page that you want to go to or it'll just show you links to the page or anything like that. Uh, understanding con context, I guess. Mm. The machine learning could be based on the business, the website, the content. I, I, I agree. I think that could be quite big. And then also leaning on to that voice. So potentially this, uh, I don't know if this is, this is a bit of a wild guess, but assuming that that became big and, and, and we did lean on AI the way Josh is saying there, which I think is likely, 
interacting with websites via voice could become a thing mm. like having conversations with with ai about what the page is about what the service is about what people have to say about it about what problems it solves those kind of things could also potentially become a thing mm. yeah. i see i can see the two interacting actually so um when when I'm thinking of like a more advanced AI, I'm thinking personal AI rather than um, like a general thing that the website hosts. Maybe it's something that you take around different websites with you. Mm. So it's, it's linked to you. It's like your account that you, you're yeah. using. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, if, if we go in more simple than that, then tools like Video Ask. So when you land on a site, it's got a video and you're talking directly to that end user and asking them questions that they click through and then you can give them more information based on that. I think that could go a bit step further through to navigation. And obviously we know about chat experience now is far more advanced than it used to be where that can give you responses and information based on stuff that you type in, which doesn't need a human, which was always a big issue. Like who's going to sit there 24 hours a day replying mm. to messages online because... Yeah. Ultimately, people are using that outside of hours because they're inquiring in the evenings or whatever, mm. and staff isn't there. So, what's the point of having an also responder saying or replying tomorrow? Like, so the AI on that front is, I think, is already good, but I think that's obviously going to go further. Mm. When we talk about AI, we're, we're testing all the time with content, um, and obviously, if we're talking about UX today, the content that AI is creating now, if you've got a process, is very good, and. UX obviously is still important when it comes to content and quality of content. Um, so the future for me, AI is ultimately a talking point. Yeah. Mm. Do you think um, augmented reality and virtual reality will become more of a thing when it comes to UX? I'm 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 thinking specifically here. I think a lot of people disagree with me, and that and I'm I'm okay with that because I'm not entirely sold on it myself. But I think it's exciting. This concept of, so Apple, for example, with their Vision Pro, mm. um, that'll be coming out, I assume, at some point later this year, early next year. People can in interact inside an office through virtual reality, augmented reality. How will that impact websites? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But elements, elements just for people listening, like mm. you can potentially have two, three different things going on in, in your own virtual world, yeah. but inside the room you're in, and they can interact together. So, for example, you might have a video widget, screen, whatever you want, window, whatever mm. you want to call it, and you can literally pick things up from various windows into others and things like that. Like That, that in itself poses questions for websites. Yeah, it's, it's like applications such as, I don't know, a kitchen studio or things like that. You've obviously got the walkthroughs that you can capture now, but will that be taken a sort of step further where you can actually step into it yep. and visualize it yourself, move things around? I don't know. And, and you've got IKEA's actually. website here and you can pull in a, yeah, a yeah. sofa, but then over here See you've it in got... Your room. Exactly, yeah. Mm. And I know they try to do that to a certain degree now, but it's a different yeah. level, isn't it? I think that's that's probably a good point. Actually, a lot of the stuff, a, a lot of that stuff you've mentioned is already achievable, mm. but it's it's not very fine tuned. I think having something like the Vision Pro or uh, any other thing like Oculus, maybe or other VR AR systems, having a system in place which I guess unites those kind of things together. It's a universal, yeah. Yeah. Imagine if all websites use the same universal process for this, yeah. And you could pull in something from IKEA into your room, but then also a kitchen from. Howdens or I don't know and that uh, you know different elements from mm. different places and it was all universally I mean this is maybe wishful thinking but I, I don't know it's um 
It's just it's, it's a potential. I don't think that's imminent, by the way. I think no. this is probably maybe a decade away um, from from at least being common. But yeah, it's potentially a fu- future of UX right there. I think mm-hmm. for me, if you're bringing it back to websites and experience, restaurants, definitely. Like if you go into a website and look at the menu, there's. I think we could push that further, like not just looking at a photograph of a, of a, mm. a, a what you're going to order. Um, I mean, it already exists really that you can actually see the video content of mm. each dish uh, when you're inside the restaurant. Mm. So I think taking the website, before you even get to the decision point of which restaurant you're going to go to, AI, AR, just just general content, the future of that is, I think, That's, could be pushed. Yeah, thinking about AR, actually, assuming we get to a point where we have, like, Google Glass type AR, like small, something that you'd actually wear. 24-7 maybe. wearable. UX kind of doesn't become a website thing then. It becomes a live thing because everyone's going to be advertising you, I don't know, leaflets or menus, as you said. You could have a QR code or something on the top of your menu and, like, scan it with your, like, AR glasses. And then at that point, you're developing UX for for for, for AR for, for rather device. than websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you could imagine quite easily at that point you're looking at a menu and you're looking at a specific item and then you you, you see video, you can see picture, you can maybe see reviews, mm. pe- people doing you, you could even imagine actually being taken into the restaurant and you're hearing the noises and things like that, the sh- watching the food being made and things like that. You're like talking that. Black Mirror stuff now. Potentially, but that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's inevitable, isn't it, at some point? Yeah, yeah. It's no, just no. when, I yeah. think, and, and, and how the web interacts and integrates those mm. kind of experiences into websites and how websites evolve yeah but yeah you're right you you were probably way off that. yeah it's very future but also it's all all doable currently yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just we've not like got a cohesive thing to do it with that's mm. right yeah. yeah if you're talking about the future as well like we're all in this industry we all get paid in this industry like if you're talking about like okay well is our job still going to be here in two years a lot of people are worried about that Personally, I think like with AI, that it still needs human element. It still mm, needs human touch. So if you work with that and you embrace it, then it's only going to aid your business. I don't think it's going to replace us. Is it as a tool at the end of the day? And yeah. it, does need, it doesn't just do things on its own. It needs some intervention from humans. But also the less humans do interact and, and, and teach it, allow it to learn, the worse it will become because it'll be learning from itself. So you have to have that human element just for it to continually improve anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of worry about that. I, I I don't really subscribe to it, to be honest. I think it can be a very powerful tool um, to lean on, but as a replacement for what we do, I think it, at the moment, at least, it's it's not even re- really close. You were playing around with Illustrator yesterday, then you so that yesterday they released a beta, didn't they? For, yeah, that, um, that was funny. It's actually quite cool. I'm actually I mean, impressed. I mean, by I mean it. it worked I, really well. Once. I liked it. I really did like it. I like the concept of it, but it's it's not going to give you the end result of what I no. could create, for example. Yeah. I'm not blowing smoke up my ass, but I'm just saying when I tried to create a scene, for example, it 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 wasn't clean. It was all right. I really like the concept of it, and you can create shapes, icons, little things like that. So it could be quite good. Like I tried giving an example of, um, I don't know, a letter T, come up with a T, and it was just like a little T in a circle, but it was it was like you'd used, I don't know, 
a standard yeah very hit and miss the first one was superb to be honest Mm. but then the second third fourth fifth it was just like someone had opened paint and dragged (laughs) some clip art in it was dreadful yeah i think for me specific examples of ai replacing us Mm. like we've got a content team Mm. and you have to go through back and forth process to get that process correct and Mm. even when you go through that the end result isn't still perfect it still needs to be amended and checked for example like there's a lot of ai stuff that We've been through a very heavy research, and it makes facts up. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just yeah. it's just notes. It just makes facts up. Like mm. you have to fact check, and you still have to do the human touch. And then when it comes to design, like there are loads of tools out there where you can go and say to AI, "Just make me a website," mm. and they're just garbage. Yeah. Like we're just not there yet. But in two years' time, it might be like people should be. Not concerned, but have it be aware of it. Certainly awareness, absolutely, yeah. It's great for ideation, it, creating yeah, yeah. ideas, yeah. getting ideas. Provided the, the input is also great. Yeah, again, and, and this is why I'm less concerned because the input relies on yeah. somebody who is experienced, who understands it, who knows what they want out of it. Yeah. If your input isn't good enough, the output is terrible, almost always. It's so, almost dangerous in the wrong hands. If you yeah. imagine that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because clients who just want a simple website, yeah. I'll just fit, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. yeah, but they won't get what they need because no. be, it'll be flawed with bugs. Yeah, yeah, and the UX and the design, everything like it might look alright on paper, but then it just doesn't work. That's I suspect there'll boring. be a yeah, I think there'll be a period of maybe two years where lots of people do go down that road they'll because they it, yeah. yeah they'll try it. they'll want to save money they'll they'll do but all that it'll do is they'll fail. The ones who do it properly will succeed, and people think actually that's probably not a great idea. Uh, I'm 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 less concerned to be honest. Uh, I do think that there'll be a slow build up to a day of reckoning where actually it does impact people's jobs. I think we're quite a long way from that personally. Do, are they the clients that we want anyway that just want to save money and do it themselves? Like you could say that about anything. Like yeah, <clears throat> if I if I want to build my own house, yeah. Well, help, I helping have, your dad decorate. Yeah, <laughs> won't, have, won't have a clue where to start. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, right? Well, thank you everybody for the chat. I've enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed it? Andy? Yeah, cheers for asking me along. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah good. Now we'll um, we'll get you on again at some point. Matt, you enjoyed it. Yeah, Thanks yeah. Coming on. Yeah, great talk. Yeah. And Josh, as yep. always, it's been a pleasure. And that brings us to the close of another Marketing Blabs episode. Today, we navigated the intricate pathways of website UX with the expert guidance of Andy from Made by Shape. We learned about the pivotal role UX plays in ensuring user satisfaction, the various components that come together to shape the user's experience, and the importance of adapting and evolving our strategies based on data and feedback. There's one key takeaway here, is that good UX is not just about aesthetic appeal, it's about truly understanding and addressing the needs of your audience. A huge thanks to Andy for sharing his ideas and insights on the pod. And to all our listeners, until next time, keep experimenting with UX and optimizing your digital spaces. See you.